Coming up on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, we catch up with Geelong defender Anna Teague, Melbourne midfielder Lily Mithin, and co-skipper of the Woodville West Torrance Eagles, Tash Farrier. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival by the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This program is also available as a podcast via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. As you heard at the very start, there's plenty on this week's show. We'll be talking to former teammates Anna Teague and Lily Mithin. The Sandville women's season starts for 2019 this Friday night. There's two new sides entering the competition, Woodville, West Torrance, Eagles and Central Districts, taking the total number of teams in the competition to eight. We'll be catching up with the Eagles' Tash Farrier a little later on in the program. Also coming up, we've got Coach Kiwi's Kiss of Death. She performed better this week than she did in round one. But first, to the latest. AFLW News. Kicking off with the good news first and the NAB AFL Women's Rising Star nominees for round two really come as no surprise. Carlton's Madison Press-Parkas and Fremantle's Sabrina Duffy have been nominated. Switching to tribunal news and GWS defender Nicola Barr was sent straight to the AFLW tribunal to face the music over a rough conduct charge against North Melbourne midfielder Ash Riddell. On Tuesday night, the tribunal found her guilty and rubbed her out out for one match. The match review officer also decided to hand out one-week penalties to Brisbane's Arena Clark and Fremantle's Gabby O'Sullivan. Reprimands were handed out to North Melbourne pair Caitlin Ashmore and Talia Randall, Carlton's Sarah Hosking and Brisbane midfielder Paige Parker. Checking the TV guide for round three. Friday night football, the Roos versus the Bulldogs in Launceston. That game live on Fox Footy. The two games on Saturday will be live on 7 or 7, mate. Check your local guides. GWS Giants versus Carlton at Blacktown and Fremantle versus Collingwood at Fremantle Oval. The two games on Sunday live on Fox Footy. The Crows versus the Cats at Norwood Oval, followed by the Lions versus Melbourne at Hickey Park up there in Queensland. Queensland. All of those games are also shown for free via women's.afl and the AFLW app. To our first guest for this week, she's a born and bred Geelong supporter. However, she would initially make her name in the Geelong sporting scene as captain of the Geelong Supercats women's basketball team in the SEABL. In 2017, she made the switch from playing basketball to playing Aussie Rules, which should be part of the inaugural Geelong VFLW team. In 2018, she would play a season with Melbourne in the AFLW, but in 2019, she's come home and has part of the Geelong Cats inaugural AFLW squad. It's great to have on the line Anna Teague. Anna, first of all, you've had a couple of weeks to reflect now on that historic occasion playing the first match for AFLW Premiership points for the Cats at GMHBA Stadium. How do you look back now on the memories of that game, of that special moment? Yeah, look, um, I think you said it. It is historic. And um, looking at, say, photos that have gone around in the media, and there's that brilliant photo of Georgie Rankin running towards the boundary and all those uh, young girls and kids screaming and and waving their hands. I think um, that kind of sums it up. It was just so special for for the team, for the community, for everyone who put in so many hard yards behind the scenes, just to 
have that night and have that game here. And and, and the fact that it was the uh, first game for the season, it was pretty special as well. But look, running out through that banner um, and to the cheers of the crowd, um, it's certainly something that I will not forget. Yeah, it was really special. You're Geelong born and bred. To the true word, if we record the Geelong advertiser on that day, the back page on Advertiser Sport shows you as a junior waving the cat's flag, the cat's beanie, the cat's jumper, the cat's scarf. <laughs> what, what does it mean to you as the Geelong girl growing up? Knowing at that stage, that moment the photo's taken, Geelong playing women's football was unheard of to the moment you've just experienced. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So... The reason I was wearing all that stuff was very much because of um, we were supporting the the men at the time, and and my brother-in-law was playing at the time as well. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward ahead so many years, um, and being able to actually represent Geelong within a women's outfit um, and the women's team is just kind of goes to show how far it has come and and how far it's still you know still got games to make. But it's um, pretty amazing that I get to represent my hometown and be able to <laughs> wear the hoops. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost indescribable at times, but, um, yeah, it's certainly something that's very close to my heart, being able to represent my hometown. Let's that's for sure. Let's flash back to your primary school days, living in the Ocean Grove area. You actually took up playing basketball to begin with. What led you down that path? What took me down the basketball path? Yes. Um, so it was, I guess, that there were local leagues around. Um, Mum and Dad said, look, you can either... You can choose. There's, um, there was, I think, the options were netball, dancing, and basketball. I think I gave dancing a go for a week, um, and then gave basketball a go just because I had some friends friends playing. And um, yeah, I think, I, and that was basically the start of it. And um, and then there were the there were the pathways and there were the progressions to be able to keep keep improving and keep moving up um, in leagues. And so, yeah, I ended up following that sort of pathway. You actually played for the Geelong Supercats on the Seaball more than 100 games. You actually captained the Geelong women's Seaball side. Uh, what did it mean mm-hmm. to represent the Supercats? Because they're also another big name in town. As we remember back on the men's side many years ago, they used to be in the NBL. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, again, it's a very similar uh, sentiment uh, in that being from the area, it's, it, it means so much to me to be able to represent the area um, you know they love their sport around here. That the community really backs backs sport sporting teams and local sporting teams around the area. So, and I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to experience that at the basketball level um, and at now Aussie rules level. Um, yeah, so look, uh, it was a really special time being able to be part of the Supercats. Um, they're a great organisation. Um, they really support. Uh, uh, pathways for for young athletes, boys and girls, to be able to follow or their dreams and be able to play basketball. Yeah, so it was, yeah, very similar to what I said before in that I just love the idea of being able to represent my uh, where I come from. Around 20, late 2016, early 2017, you partook in a VFLW Talent ID Day with the uh, Geelong Cats as they went to enter their first ever VFLW side. That meant you had to leave basketball behind. How tough was that mm-hmm. decision, particularly as you hit your late 20s? Yeah, it was it was very very tough, and you know I think I had to weigh so many different things up. And like you mentioned, being in my late twenties at the time, um, you know, would my body be able to handle it? Would my would you know that was probably one of the biggest questions that came up. Would I be able to? 
uh, handle the physicality of it. I certainly know I'd love the idea of the physicality, but whether my body would um, be able to cop it. Um, yeah, look, I think it was just discussions that I had with people who were close with me, um, discussions with people at the basketball club. They they fully supported that if I did want to pursue football, that that they would they would hold no grudges. Um, yeah, they'd support me wholeheartedly. And I think I just ended up asking myself, is this something that I would regret if I if I didn't take it up? And the answer was yes. And so I yeah, that's when I decided that. I'd bite the bullet and give footy a crack. Did you have an idea early what type of footballer that you would be and if you would slot naturally into defence? Um, I think I knew initially that physicality would suit me. <laughs> um, as in, I really love the idea of, of you know, the contact um, within footy. Um, I think in terms of the type of position that I'm playing defensively, um, it's probably come, it comes a little bit more naturally to me um, as, yeah, there are similar types of uh, concepts within basketball, but, you know, I being a defender, you don't necessarily have to create your, um, you're really reading the play um, from behind the play and you can sort of un- see it unfold. And, yeah, I think that that was probably what more came naturally to me. Um, you know, I love the idea of uh, playing in the midfield, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at the, at the moment. What was it like playing in that first VFLW year with the Cats? Of course, you started off against the then Box Hill Hawks with, uh, at mm-hmm. Cadinia Park in round one. And the form that first year, despite just missing out in the finals, was very up and down. And that was kind of deliberate. Paul Hood had made note at that stage he wanted to rotate the full list to see what everybody could do, obviously with the eyes on AFLW. So how hard is that to get used to as a player, knowing that there's a lot of players changing through and potentially the game plan is changing a lot as, the coach begins to experiment. Yeah, so in terms of the game plan, um, in basketball as well, in most sports, you, you're varying your game plan week to week. Um, so that that didn't shock me as, as much. That was pretty easy to adjust to. But um, totally understandable with trying to rotate players, especially with when you're trying to develop, you want to be able to give as much game time in the legs to all your players as possible. So I think the changes that were made weren't too drastic in that it really affected our um, game and our game plan week to week too much. Um, you know, they they rotated a few players, just a couple of players each week and sorted in really nicely. And of course, we trained together, so um, we're very familiar with each other at the time. But um, yeah, that 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 season was pretty special as well. And our first game was at the GMHBA Stadium. So yeah, being able to open up <laughs> and have our first game as a Geelong outfit was pretty cool to have at GMHBA as well. Now, before you began Season 2 with the Geelong VFLW, there was a pit stop in between. It was called AFLW Season 2, which you ended up at the Melbourne Football Club. Originally, you were a rookie mm-hmm. drafted. How was making your debut in the hot climate that is Alice Springs? Um, yeah, it was a really, really interesting debut. Um, very, very unusual conditions. I think, uh, you know, mid-30s, um, pretty warm. We'd been travelling, we'd been doing appearances. Um, it was a very unique way to debut. Um, yeah, look, it was I, – I still remember when Mick and Daisy uh, – so Mick, the coach, and Daisy Pierce pulled me aside and told me that I'd been uh, selected for the for the game. It was pretty amazing. Um, luckily, my family, my mum and dad and my uh, my partner, they were, all, they were all up in Alice, so they got to see that as well. Um, 
yeah, it was it was really special. And my time at Melbourne, I really loved. I, I learned a lot. Um, but uh, as I alluded to earlier, um, the lure of a uh, coming back home and <laughs> was was pretty strong. So yeah, that, that's why I ended up here. Was there kind of any communication with Melbourne before uh, the pen came to paper with Geelong that you were hinting to them, look, if Geelong does come in, I really would like to, quote, unquote, return home? Um, no, not really. So while the season was on, no, there was none of that talk. Um, it was just let's focus on the job at hand, and that was to to play for Melbourne and, and win games, and we were very close to making the grand final. So that was definitely the job at hand um, and what I needed to focus on. But, yeah, post-season, that's obviously when uh, discussions start occurring. And, and look, every, everyone was really open about discussions. And, um, and externally, it might look like it, you know, I was always going to come back to Geelong. But, it, um, yeah, it was, it's certainly not that – it wasn't that easy to make the decision um, – you know, I, I really loved, like I said, my time at Melbourne and I learned a lot and I felt like their culture was really, really great there. Um, so it certainly wasn't as easy as, well, of course, I'm going to come back home. Um, there was, yeah, there were discussions that were had. Um, and, yeah, in the end, I, I chose to come back home. Yeah. Of course, you had uh, yourself come back. Rochelle Cranston came back. Erin Hoare came back. Technically, you could say Mel Hickey came back if you account for the Hickey yeah. surname and the and how famous yeah. that is with, with, with Geelong. Uh, one that yep. didn't come, and it's our other interviewee for this week, is Lily Mithen. Does it feel maybe mm-hmm. like a little piece is myth- missing that it wasn't come to be that Lily would end up playing with Geelong despite playing season one VFLW with you? Oh, look, uh, she had really... Um She's, she'd really consolidated herself at Melbourne as well. Um, so no one, no one begrudges Lily for choosing to stay at Melbourne. That's perfectly within her right. Um, and like I said, she, she was first drafted there for first season. So she sure, she had a link and she had a connection to Melbourne as well. Yes, she had a connection to Geelong, but growing up here. Um, but that's just the way it worked out. And no one begrudges Lily for the decision that she made. Of course, a big buzz after winning that first game against Collingwood, a one-point thriller in front of 18 or so thousand fans at uh, Cadinia yeah. Park. You were building up to this game against the Western Bulldogs to take on the reigning Premiers, and then unfortunately some bad news happened on Thursday, and that's when Noodles, Nina Morrison, ended up doing an ACL. On reflection, do you think that maybe deflated the side a little bit when it came to morale coming into this game of not just losing the quality player, obviously, but Oh, damn, just when things were looking great, there goes Nina. Yeah, look, we're certainly on a high after the um, after the Collingwood game. But, um, you know, we we're very quick to to get our heads into gear and focus on the next week. And I, I think regardless of the time and place, it's always pretty heartbreaking to see anyone, um, and particularly your, your teammates, go down with, a, you know, a season-ending injury. Um and look, yeah, it, it can affect you, but um, our, the leadership that we have here around us really um, supported us and reiterated that, um, you know, we have got Nina down, um, but, you know, we have so many people that can that are able to come in to the side and play their role. And um, Georgia Clark, one of our youngsters who was emergency and, and was put into the side, had an amazing game and really, really helped us out in defence. So... 
it's, it's devastating for Nina, but um, there are silver linings in the situation. And, um, and yeah, Nina's got a big career ahead of her. Um, so, yeah, I, I, look, I, I think we, uh, we were able to back it up for Bulldogs, not to the point where we got the win, but that's fine. And, of course, on the injury side, you do manage to get back Aaron Hoare, who, of course, has suffered injury late in the VFLW season. You got back in Phoebe McWilliams, who was a late withdrawal from uh, round one. There's hopefully still yep. Melissa Hickey to come back shortly and Rochelle Cranston to return um, from uh, suspension. When you look yep. back at that Bulldogs game, do you essentially put it down to just one quarter? That second term they kicked three goals was probably the only time they generally got away from you? Yeah, look, um, after the game, I was I was obviously a pretty upset and was thinking it was pretty dire <laughs> in terms of how we played. But upon reflection and looking at vision, um, it certainly wasn't as dire as I um, initially thought. So, yeah, we we just didn't quite adjust to the condition. Um, those, yeah, the, the I think it was the three goals in that very short period of time um, really made it difficult because then the doggies were then able to shut up shop and, and just defend, so um, that made it really tricky. Um, but yeah, I think for us, we just we didn't, didn't quite adjust. Um, so we really need to learn from that. And the AFLW season being so short, um, those adjustments we then need to implement the training and then be able to implement in the games in the weeks after. And finally, this Sunday, you take on the 2017 Premiers, being the Adelaide Crows at Norwood yep. Oval. It's your first interstate team as a trip at AFLW level. Of course, you did mm -hmm. so with the game against the Thunder and the VFLW. How's the yeah. squad feeling uh, having to bounce back from that? And as I said, players still to come back into the side. Yeah, look, um, I think tonight we'll do a bit of a good team review of, of the game on the weekend. Um, have a look at the learnings that we need to take out from it. Um, you know, we've already, a lot of people have already sat down with coaches and, and gone through vision and um, and talked about individual performances. So everyone will be ready to hit the track and, and figure out what we need to improve on. Um, and then, you know, we, we managed, to, a lot of us watched the game on Sunday where um, Adelaide and the, and the Blues played. So we're able to have a look at them and get a good uh, look at what they're doing and, um, and, uh, and seeing someone, you know, someone for the likes of Stevie Lee Thompson putting her up forward and she, she booted, I think it was four goals. So yeah, getting and get really getting to know our position and thinking about, um, how we can, uh, negate what they do. And how do you feel against a potential matchup against either, say, Sarah Perkins or Erin Phillips? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's the potential matchup is really exciting. I, I love being able to challenge myself. Um, but in saying that, we've got a, a number of defenders in the back line who, who are very versatile and who can uh, really shut people down. So it could go to any one of us, not sure. Um, but if it does come to me, then any of the matchups come to me, then um, I'll uh, embrace it and uh, take on the challenge. <laughs> well, Anna, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best as you take on the Crows this Sunday at Norwood Oval. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. To our next guest, she grew up in Geelong, but she didn't follow the Cats. She was a Mad Tigers supporter. She'd gone to be a star of youth girls football, representing Vic Country at numerous national championships, including at one stage captaining the side. 
In 2016, she'd be taken in the inaugural AFLW draft by the Melbourne Football Club. However, in 2018, there was talk. Would she come back to her hometown of Geelong and play for the Cats? No, she said. Her heart beats true for the red and the blue. We speak of Melbourne star midfielder Lily Mithen, and she joins us on the line. Mitho, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the line. And how does it feel to finally get the first win of the year under the belt? Yeah, it's always good. Winning is much more fun than losing is. So um, in the D's camp, yeah, we're pretty stoked with the win over the Pies, but obviously realised that one win isn't going to be enough this season. So hopefully we uh, build some momentum from here and um, take it up to... Um, Brisbane this weekend for for another really competitive match. As we step back to have a look at that game on uh, Saturday at Victoria Park, it was low scoring in that first half, and by all indications on the TV, both sides had trouble kicking towards the railway end of the ground. Can you describe what the wind was doing? The wind was pretty pretty blustery. It was um, just coming straight across the ground and and pretty heavily to one side. So it made um, pretty looking footy. Uh, quite difficult because it was uh, very defensive um, kicking into the wind. You just wanted to hold it up and repeat stoppage after stoppage because, um, you know, we wanted to eliminate them scoring a big score against us. We saw Frio do that into the wind in round one. We've had two weeks in windy conditions, but um, it was pretty difficult. But I think um, our girls just handled it really well. We, we played with flair going with the wind and then locked it down in the other half. So um, I think playing in the wind against Freya on round one helped us um, in that sort of circumstance as well. So fair to say a different game plan from Mixtonier, looking to go more defensive than attacking as you did in round one at Casey Fields. Yeah, and I think after round one, we saw that we could score really well. Um, we had plenty of opportunities to do so, and I think we kicked... Um, eight or nine goals or something, which is quite high scoring for AFL women's competition. But um, on the flip side of that, we just weren't able to defend and we let them kick obviously a higher score than us. So um, we had a really large focus on our defensive effort um, and just structure around the footy um, this weekend. And we often do pride ourselves on sort of that defensive part of our game, which we went away in round one and we weren't able to get the four points, but um, implemented it again in round two and, and we saw the results. So it is a big part of our game and um, unable, we were unable to execute round one, but that will be um, a large part of our game moving forward. For you personally, how are you feeling taking on, by default, a greater responsibility that you've lost two key Melbourne midfielders for this year? Obviously, one permanently, that's Melissa Higgy going to Geelong. And, of course, Daisy Pearce sitting out the season as she expects twins very shortly. Yeah, it's been great. I've always been a midfielder. So uh, to be to have a sort of a, a bigger role, um, I guess, in terms of midfield minutes and playing that sort of competitive contest wing role um, has been really good. And I think we were able to plan for Daisy not playing. She, she obviously announced that she was pregnant eight, eight months ago. So we've we've had a whole pre-season without, it, without her. It wasn't just sort of like a, oh, no, our, our captain and best midfielder has gone down with an ankle two weeks before round one and won't be playing in season three. So we were able to set up a whole pre-season, obviously without Daisy, but... Yeah, Daisy is a good player, but we've got plenty of other good um, midfielders in there. So um, it's been good to see 
the likes of Matty Gay step up, Catherine Smith as well playing um, more minutes in inside midfield, and um, and we've still got two of the competition's best midfielders in Elisa Day and Karen Paxman. So, yes, a few of us younger girls have had to step up to fill a role, but we're still we're still pretty star-studded um, in the centre of the ground. Can you explain how it's been trying to get used to the different captaincy style? Of course, you had Daisy Pierce, who you all looked up to in the first two seasons, and now you're having a co-captain system with Shelley Scott and Elisa Day both taking the reins together. Yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah, Daisy's obviously still sort of got a leadership role within the club this year. She's I don't, she's only missed a couple of sessions um, throughout the the program so far and has taken on a leadership role. But junior Elisa Day, that is, and Shelley Scott are tremendous leaders and complement each other really well. Junior's just um, – she's the hardest on the club. She absolutely loves it and Scotty will – tell you exactly how it is and um, set you straight if she needs to. So they, they work really well in tandem and um, there's plenty of great leadership and just quality people amongst the group that their role isn't actually too great because I feel like everyone bought into the program really well and um, they're supported by um, our vice-captains and, and plenty of other great leaders um, in their respective roles and, and areas around the ground. But, yeah, they've been tremendous and taken the role on um, really well. They've um, they've been able to connect us as a group and, and they're playing really good footy themselves. So it's great to see Junior definitely lead from the front on the weekend, having 26 touches and, and kicking our first crucial goal. So um, they're loving the role and I'm loving looking up to them. Let's flash back through time for a moment to your early playing days in your early teens. We're talking that there was only a handful of youth girl sides just around the state and women's footy numbers were quite low. What led you originally to head down the path of joining Newtown and Jewel? I always just played. I loved it. Um, I think I sort of did think I was a boy, to be honest. I, I never really understood that, you know, girls weren't doing things like me and they weren't playing playing footy, they weren't surfing, they weren't skating, they weren't doing these things. But um, I pretty much did exactly what my best friend Liam did. We were inseparable. People often thought we were twins. We both had dark curly hair and, um, and we just did whatever each other did. So... Um, I always played. I'd keep the footy in the backyard from a young age and supported the Tigers since forever. And then um, when when t- the time came around that kids started to always keep my age, I was I was there with my boots ready and mouth guard in. So um, it wasn't really much of a thought process that went into choosing the sport of footy. I guess I sort of just ended up loving it and. Um, Never really thought of the barrier of being a female playing a male-dominant sport. Um, so I was lucky enough just to join the club and continue playing there um, for my whole junior career. The footy club was super supportive of having me and then having a women's team um, further down the future when the time came that I couldn't play boys footy anymore. But, yeah, like I said, I was just friends with all the boys and couldn't see myself putting a netball squirt on and... and not taking any steps with ball in hand. So uh, footy was a sport for me. Can you talk about those tough early days with the Vic Country uh, youth girls team? Because this was before they actually started even winning games at the national championships. There was few um, women's sides about in country. Victoria, for example, in your own backyard of Geelong, there was just the North Geelong Magpies, and that was it. How tough going was it playing for Vic Country when you looked across, uh, I guess, across the street to see uh, Vic Metro and all the superstars and the success they were having? I guess it was pretty difficult. Like, we, we battled a little bit, um, the Vic Country girls, but 
um, I guess you got to start somewhere. And by throwing pathways in place, more and ge- more girls were excited by the talent pathway and the progression of that. So um, it was it was difficult because there was plenty of other Victorians playing, but unfortunately they were just in met- metropolitan Melbourne and playing in that t- side. But um, AFL Vic just did a great job to say, well, hold on, there's pretty much the whole rest of the state is getting an opportunity here. Let's put a Vic Country team in and, and see how they go and hopefully local leagues and local teams will jump on board and say, why don't we have an AFL AFL girls team that are playing in our colours um, every weekend? So it uh, it took some time and we played um, competitive footy and, and as the years went by, I was lucky enough to play four or five years in that program and we started to win games toward the end of it. So it was really nice to see the the positive incline that that team had on country Victorian football in female participation and um, it was great fun. I lo- absolutely love those national carnivals going away with girls from all over the state and getting to know them and, and playing at the highest level for that age group. So big country, yeah, I, I still love playing against girls that I got to play with there and um, I love that Tyler Hanks was the captain of the Vic Country team uh, last year and now she's a Melbourne girl and we've got that connection that we were both captain that team and um, there's plenty of other girls that um, either lined up um, against in AFRW or, or get to play against or with in the VFRW competition as well. How did it feel to finally break through for that first uh, win at the National Championships with Vic Country? And if I'm correct, that was under Scott Gowans, now North Melbourne AFLW coach. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I loved it. Like, Vic Country was – I sort of grabbed a hold of that and, and really I just loved it. And I loved wearing the big V and especially the, the Country V. So, um, yeah, Scotty was a great coach and um, – it was just a great time to be able to sort of forge those relationships and you, you now see Scotty, AFLW coach at North Melbourne and catching up with him, reminiscing on those days was great. We had um, Sean O'Loughlin, he was an assistant coach at Melbourne one year in um, at the D's in, in year one. So he was a big country coach as well. So there's lots of people um, that you got to meet through those programs and, and winning at that time meant a lot. Um, I guess looking back to it, I've probably had more important wins, but at the time it was um, the most important thing in your life. You got selected to play for Melbourne uh, in 2017. You joined the D's in the inaugural season. Is it personally intimidating, despite being a star at under-18 level, when you get thrown into a midfield and therefore you say, right, standing next to you, you've got Daisy Pierce. On the other side, here's Aliso Day. By the way, you've got Karen Paxman. And at that stage, also backing you up, you've got Melissa Hickey. Yeah, it's pretty, I guess, not intimidating. I think um, rocking up to training for the first ever time was, I was pretty scared. And I remember being a, in a, I think it was a two-on-one drill or something, and I was the one, and I was against Daisy and Paxi, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I've been watching these superstars for quite a few years now, and, and now I'm your teammate, and now I'm trying to stop you on a two-on-one. This is this is insane. But, um I guess that was – I'm so fortunate to be able to come to a club with so many good people and I've been able to develop my game under those girls. They're 
they're so open with their time and with the advice they give and um i guess they've taught me how to how to train properly to be able to perform come game day so it's it was a very exciting opportunity probably daunting at the time yes but now um, I'm super thankful for the opportunity to be at such a great club and um, love the fact that I can call them teammates. I know Hickey's no longer at the footy club, but to have two years with her was, was great. And um, hopefully I've got plenty more years in the red and blue with uh, the names you mentioned. So it is an exciting time and um, hopefully continue to learn as much as I can from the best in the game. Talking about being at a great club, you did have a season in the inaugural VFLW season for the Geelong Cats. Uh, we just spoke on the phone with Anna Teak, who was, of course, your former Melbourne teammate in 2018. Can you tell us what it was like playing for for the Hoops, considering that, um, unlike Anna, as you said yourself, you didn't actually grow up a Cats fan. You grew up a Tigers fan, but still very much a Geelong local through and through. It was great. It was a great initiative for uh, the Geelong Cats to form a relationship with the North Geelong Magpies and, and have synergy there to create a bit of a buzz about women's footy in the Geelong region. And um, I guess I got plenty of exposure being um, a Geelong region footballer um, through my junior careers. There wasn't too many of us. So whenever a Geelong girl playing women's footy did something good, it was uh, it was reported on heavily. So for them to, you know, throw together a team and for forge that relationship with the Magpies um, was a great initiative and uh, pulling the hoops was was really special. It's I sort of always have that connection with Geelong given I was a Geelong girl and you sort of you know the players really well you see them down the street having a coffee and um, you know it's it is a special club um, for that town so to be able to pull on the hoops for a couple of years was good fun and um, I think yeah they're a great club and they're going well in the AFW and they'll be successful and probably in this year and in the future. So, um, yeah, it was really nice touch to be able to um, play some senior VFL footy in the hoops. But um, for the meantime, it's it's all focused on the Red and Navy because um, I obviously am at this footy club. But, yeah, reflecting on that, it's a nice touch that I got to pull on the hoops and wear that for a period of time. And as you mentioned, the support that was behind Geelong, and of course yourself when you're playing junior football even before joining Geelong, the 80 really gets behind uh, its local sports stars. Um, how, how did you feel with that, um, any pressure at all, considering, you know, you're 16, 17, 18, here's your face constantly in the paper when, I guess, you know, women at that stage, you know, A, you want to concentrate on your VCE, that's an important part of your life, and some people at 18 or 19 just say, hey, I want to go backpacking and disappear on the other side of the world and come back later to be an adult. How does it feel for you at that stage of your life of bang your names in the paper high profile oh i guess i didn't think about it too much if you ask any of my friends or anyone that knows me pretty well i'm not afraid of attention i I don't don't mind attention um but no it was um i guess it in in a way it was it was nice to be recognized for the things i was doing and um at the time there wasn't many stories on and female sport or women's footy especially so to be able to sort of um put that a little bit throughout the Geelong Addy and on K-Rock and whatnot was good because young girls now now they obviously can see AFRW as a pathway but um for the Geelong region I guess I was a bit of a role model in that sense that young girls could look up and see a bit of an opportunity in the Geelong region to to play their chosen sport if that was to be footy so um, I felt no pressure at all, though. I was um, 
I was thrilled when my name was in the paper, but it never sort of um, rattled me or, or I never sort of thought too much into it. I definitely didn't think I was a high-profile high, high player, that's for sure. Talking about your name being out there, there was Mythos Minute, which became legendary and was shown on the Geelong Football Club social media. How did that idea originally come about? Uh, the girl that runs the social media, Mel Horsey, she she thought it was a good idea and she said, you're the only one that's going to do it because, like I said, I do like attention. So she said, I'm going to film you for the next minute and you can make a fool of yourself and ask um, whoever questions and whatever questions you want. So I ran with the idea and I made it pretty silly, um, as as I do make most things pretty lighthearted. So, uh, no, that was good fun and those little segments always um, put a smile on my doll and hopefully those watching smiled too. Most people probably looked at it and said, what an absolute loser, but that's all right too. <laughs> now, over that 12-month period, you evolved from that to doing boundary riding work for Channel 7 during their VFL coverage. How did that door of opportunity open? Um, just, through, just through opportunities. Nigel Carmody, sort of, um, he manages me as well. So he came to me and said, this opportunity has presented itself if you're, if you're keen and interested to do it. So... Um, I definitely was. I think it's a great opportunity and um, I've obviously seen Daisy do a lot of it and see the way she's gone about it. And I think it's great to put um, AFL women's talent in roles like this because, one, they know what they're talking about and, two, it's just great to integrate both men's and women's AFL competitions into a whole. So it was a great opportunity given it to me and I'd be silly not to take it. So um, got to do a couple of games in the VFL last year on seven coverage, which is, yeah, great exposure and um, definitely keen to do more of it in the future. And while all that was happening around that time of year, it was it was a bit of a tricky time for you. As we said, a few of your Melbourne teammates had left and, and signed on to play with Geelong AFLW. Of course, your name was thrown out there. Are you going to go to Geelong? Are you going to go to Melbourne? How tough was you at that period of time where, at least on the surface, from the public point of view, it seemed in limbo where you might end up? There was plenty of things to weigh up, I guess. It was, it wasn't, because you can't really just pick and choose what you want to do in terms of a footy sense. Because with footy, your main, your main decision is going to be around footy. But at the same time, it was around um, opportunities in terms of out of football, whether that be, um, you know, where I live and what I do career-wise and things like that. So there was plenty of things to weigh up um, other than just what colours I wear for that year. And I just wasn't ready to leave the Melbourne Footy Club. That gave me a really great opportunity. And um, I knew that Geelong, Geelong would have been a great club to play out too. But um, at the same time, I just really wasn't ready to leave. I've got great relation, relationships with the girls, the coaches and all the staff at the footy club here at Melbourne. So um, I just wasn't, yeah, as I said, ready to leave that. Um, Geelong would have been a great opportunity to stay at home and, and continue to promote women's footy in that region. But um, I also saw the exciting opportunity to move up to a new city and live up in Melbourne and see what else I can do outside of footy. I think there's plenty of work opportunities and stuff up here as well. So um, it was it was a bit of a balancing act um, and sort of play the safe card and, and stay at home and live with mum and dad and let mum cook me homemade meals every night and, and play in the hoops or otherwise push my comfort zone a bit, stay at the club I was loving and uh, move up to the city. So it, was, um, it wasn't an easy decision, but... 
um, I'm really comfortable with the decision I've made and um, focused focused on the days and, and looking forward to see where that can take me. And that led to a, a pit stop for several months of you actually playing with the Darabin Falcons in the VFLW. I didn't want to, during that sort of decision period as to whether I'd play at Geelong or Melbourne, I didn't want to commit to a VFL club um, and and take a list spot. If I had assigned it Geelong, I would have been taking a list spot away from them to develop someone who was actually going to potentially play in the Geelong AFLW team and then the same time at Casey Fields, at Casey Demons. So I think Darabin was just a really good neutral ground club um, to play at and um, I was once I then signed with Melbourne, Jane Lance, who's an assistant co- development coach at the Melbourne Footy Club. She's head coach of Darabin. So there was a really nice link there that we could continue to work on my game in a Melbourne um, sort of mindset as well as just manage my playing load and, and get the best out of my footy. So I think there's also a really cool opportunity to play at what is one of the most sort of iconic uh, um, women's footy clubs and um you know there's obviously so many stars that have come out of that team so to be a be a peer of the Darabin Falcons is another thing that I'll be really proud of um when my season wraps up and I start reflecting on all the teams I played with and the people I got to meet so uh the Darabin Falcons was yeah it was super fun to play there and love my VFL season last year just quickly, people have been talking about the, the high stand that we've seen so far in AFLW Season 3. As an elite player, can you give us a bit of an insight to how your training load has increased since you began in Season 1 to now in Season 3? I think um, just generally, like, we're, we're a lot fitter. Um, we're lifting heavier weights. Um the complexity of training has increased and, and we're continually just adding layers as to what we can do. Um, I know at the Melbourne Footy Club, we sort of aren't putting any limitations on what we can do as a team and what we can do individually. So it's it's a really exciting time because we're continually getting better. And for me now, I've been in an elite environment for three years and continually getting um better at my game and, and more understanding of how I can get better and what I can do to be the best teammate I possibly can be. So um, in terms of training, it's not like we're doing lots more because the contracts are pretty similar, but it's just the intensity that we're doing it at and and the level of um, sort of footy IQ that the coaches are now sharing with us. Um, it's now not so overwhelming for players coming in because a lot of us girls understand exactly what our roles are, what we're here to do and, and how we're going to do it. So it's a it's a great environment to be in and it's continually just going to get more and more professional. I know for a fact that our running sessions are at least 50% harder than what they were in year one just because we are conditioned to be able to perform at that peak level and um, that's continuing going to increase and, and improve which which will come with better standard and better spectacle of footy Finally you take on the Brisbane Lions this Sunday at Hickey Park so you're heading interstate a Lions side that's probably feeling a bit stung after they got uh, done by Fremantle on the weekend, what are you expecting the Lions to throw at you? It is a really well 
organised team. I think they're, they, they've got a lot of stars, but at the same time, they don't rely on their stars to do all the work. They all chip in and, and they know what they're doing. So they've got a few tall targets up forward. Um, so they'll be they'll be crucial to, to keep quiet if we're if we're going to have a um, a good day ourselves. Um, and then you've got Wushner. You got yeah, they got talls and smalls up forward. They're pretty dangerous forward line. And then their middle, they've got really important players like Anderson who just racks up the footy. Emily Gates who's really smart. And then you've got someone like Kate Lutkins who marshals the troops down back and and gets the job done. So um, they're a really well balanced team. They know what they're doing. They're well coached, well drilled. So we'll have to be on a, a game to beat those. But I think if we can bring the um, defensive effort and intent that we did on the weekend will be well and truly in the game and um, hopefully bring home the four points. Well, Lily, thanks for being very generous with your time and joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Ds all the very best as you take on the Lions at Higgy Park this Sunday. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's look towards the Sandful Women's Competition Season number 3. It kicks off this Friday night with the competition expanding again. There were four teams in Season 1, six teams in Season 2, now eight teams in Season 3 with the inclusion of the Central District's Bulldogs and the Woodville West Torrens Eagles. The Eagles kick off their campaign against Glenelg this Friday night, 5.20pm local time at Flinders University Stadium. And to talk about it, we've got on the line a woman who used to play ice hockey for Australia now is co-captain of the Eagles. We speak of Tash Farrier. Tash, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad at all, particularly when another footy season starts. We just had the AFLW start two weeks ago. And, of course, now we kick off with the Sandful W uh, this Friday with round one. Personally, yourself, how are you feeling coming into your inaugural match? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. It's been a bit of a, a journey. We obviously started back in October. Um, we've got a lot of girls from different divisions and different teams and different stages in their football career. So I'm not the only one with my first game coming up in the SNFL, but there's a handful of other girls as well um, joining the other girls that have kind of been around for a little bit. So, yeah, it's, I think it's exciting for everyone. For you personally, you actually cross sports. I think of ice hockey. We actually chatted to a couple of years ago, Lucy Parrington, a Melburnian, who actually switched from ice hockey uh, to playing Aussie rules football. For you personally, why did you want to make the switch? Um, I actually know Lucy. We played on the Australian team together for many years. So I actually didn't know she played footy, so that's an interesting fact that I now know. But um, um, I I made the switch because it was very random, actually. I was kind of just... um, living in Largs North, which is kind of an outer harbour area in Adelaide. And there was a footy team starting up at the local club literally down the road from me. So I kind of went out for a kick, started there, um, got a pretty significant injury in in my second game. I actually snapped my Achilles. Um, Had some time off and then moved over to Port Adelaide Football Club and kind of just, yeah, went from there. So then just built my way up over a season, I suppose. And, yeah, playing FNFL on Friday for the first time. So. It's a big day because uh, the competition expands again. Originally started with four, went to six last year. Now it's gone to eight. Central District's coming into the competition and Woodville West Torrens. Can you first of all explain, uh, particularly in uh, Adelaide, how the zoning system works and what areas of South Australia that the Eagles do draw from? Yeah, it's obviously the western area. I'm not really sure of the exact boundaries as such, but um, in terms of the eight 
teams, I think it's a pretty important year for like women's football in South Australia in general because now all eight teams do have a women's team involved. Um, so, yeah, with the new team in Centrals, I'd, I'd uh, assume most of their girls would come from the north area and then, yeah, Woodville. Um, we have a couple of zoned under-18 players, but I'm not necessarily sure whether it's um, fully zoned. Yeah, I think there's probably some girls outside of zone at this present time, um, probably just to get numbers. You've got some star players actually coming into your side. First of all, there's your co-captain in Adele Gibson, and you're also being joined by former red leg in uh, Georgia Taylor. Yeah, so um, there's a few girls with like a bit of experience. I know um, Adele Gibson has played for, this is probably her third year, um, but in terms of her connection to the club, she's got a pretty extensive connection with her dad um, and even grandpa playing for the club as well. Um, her grandpa, who since passed, but is a, is a life member, was made a life member um, once he kind of passed away. And um, her um, her grandma was there at the launch the other night. So it was, yeah, it's really kind of cool to think that there's a bit of history there um, for someone in the girls' team as well. Um, and I know for sure that Georgia Taylor's definitely played at least a few hundred games from what I know. So she's got a fair bit of experience under her belt. So. And also some AFLW experience with former GWS player Stephanie Walker. Yeah, so uh, Stephanie's, um, I guess she's coming from interstate, so she's kind of that player that's probably played the highest level um, out of the group from what I know. Um, so she's got a bit of experience, especially in terms of the way we kind of run things at training and um, the, the focus and stuff, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, she just brings that experience along with her. She, she's a good voice to have around, and she's, uh, she's actually our vice captain, so, yeah, really handy. Can you give people an idea into the training commitments that you've had since October as you obviously try to build up your fitness base coming into this uh, inaugural uh, Sanford W season for Woodville West Torrens? Yeah, we, we started pretty early. I think we started probably back in October. Um, it was probably really important for us considering we had girls uh, from different divisions and I think that's probably one of the greatest things about establishing new clubs at SANFL level is it does give those girls that ne- haven't really played that high level, it gives them the opportunity to do so but starting early gave us the chance to kind of um, really embrace the strength and conditioning program that Woodville put together for us. Um, it's been really impressive, it's aligned to what the men do in terms of we've got our weight program, we've got our conditioning program, um, you know, all of our running and things like that so in terms of the time commitment, um, we have uh, two weight sessions a week um, and two football sessions. And then as we hit the uh, the season itself, we'll, we'll drop down to one weight, uh, one structured weights a week and um, three footy sessions. So, um, yeah, the girls have really embraced the, the whole package, really. Can you talk about the leap in facilities and support staff that you've had behind you compared to what you had at club football? Yeah, it's a whole nother world. It's like, um, obviously, as you know, like I've played ice hockey at a pretty high level and this, this is just, this is really great. It, it feels elite. Like it's a really good experience for the girls that haven't really played this kind of uh, level of sport before because we do have medical staff, you know, we do have physios that come in and support us. We do have a strength and conditioning coach that, um, you know, has tied us all in on an app and we know exactly what we need to do every session. Um, you know, we log our, we log our weight and we track our process, uh, progress. Sorry. Um, so yeah, it's been great. We have a really good team around us, and I think the most important thing as well is the education, the footy education's there. Like Tess Baxter, our coach, um, she's just an amazing educator, and the girls are just coming coming along really well. So yeah, it's our first season. We're excited to see where we're at, but we do have the bigger picture in mind as well. You know, we know this is our inaugural year, and um, we're just really excited to see where we can take it.
I know you talked about um, uh, having the bigger picture in mind and obviously the long-term build, but surely it must be tempting to have a crack at the flag. I think I read somewhere it's something like $20,000 prize money uh, being awarded to the grand finalists. Hopefully not everyone's thinking, well, just you know what, a Bali holiday wouldn't be too bad around April, May. Yeah, Statewide Super has been really generous this year, actually. They, they've put up that $20,000 uh, prize. And in terms of, I mean, like every team wants to, to win a flag, but we've, we've set some pretty realistic goals that we think are achievable for us. Um, and, you know, if we need to adjust them as we go, we will. But, yeah, we're, we're quite realistic in, in how it might turn out. And, you know, even the members that come out to, to our games and trial games so far, you know, they're just like, we can see we can see the development already, you know, since October to now, they see the development. But it does take a couple of years to really, you know, formulate your foundation. So uh, we'll see how we go. But having a $20,000 prize, I think, is pretty good because I'm pretty sure that's probably one of the biggest cash prizes in women's, women's sport in South Australia that we've probably had, to be fair. And, you know, it is possible a debutant team uh, taking out the premiership, as we've seen last year with South Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair call. I'm not really sure. I don't really know too much about how long they've been around. I'm, I'm obviously quite new myself. But, yeah, they, they had a very, very strong team. Um, hey, it could happen. Who knows? And what's it been like under the coaching, uh, obviously before her coming into your first game, but the pre-season coaching of Tess Baxter, who, of course, uh, led the Adelaide Footy League women's representative team uh, last year against the Vicks? Yeah, Tess Baxter... Um, She's just amazing. She just brings a wealth of knowledge. She's obviously, she's played her whole life. Um, she's so passionate about the game. Um, just having her here, she's really had that progression. She, you know, she hasn't overloaded us too much. She's, she's very strategic um, in the way that she delivers things and, and when to deliver them. Um, so, you know, she knows when to overload us. She knows when to, to hang it back a little bit. And, um, you know, she sets our expectations for training. We have certain focuses. So we feel like we're in pretty good hands with Tess Factor. And, of course, the inaugural match this Friday being played at Flinders University Stadium as you take on the uh, Glenelg uh, Tigers. Um, as you do, what has the support been like from the supporters of the Eagles? Keeping your ear to the ground, have you heard a decent-sized crowd that may be planning to come down that way to Flinders University Stadium? I haven't heard any rumours, but we did have our launch the other night and, you know, the board members there and members and stuff were around. And, um, you know, they have come along to our trial games and shown a huge amount of support and the, and the clubs really embrace us. Um, you know, they, they really want us to do well and um, they're really happy to have a women's team and, you know, there's always um, bits and pieces that you need to iron out in your first year but in terms of support, I feel like we we feel very supported. I mean, the, the clubs put a women's board specifically in for us so we feel quite looked after at that level as well and um, I'd, I'd hope to see, yeah, a fair few of the members down there. Um, I know a lot of the girls will have their families and stuff as well, and I'm sure that the women's membership have kind of gone up, so um, with family and friends getting around the girls as well. So, yeah, I think we'd have a pretty good turnout. Well, thank you very much for joining us here in Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Eagles all the very best as you take on Glenelg in the season opener this Friday. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So as we mentioned, the Woodville West Torrance Eagles play Glenelg 5.20pm at Flinders University Stadium, immediately following after at the same ground, South Adelaide versus Sturt kicking off 7pm. Two games are happening over at City Mazda Stadium this Friday night, Norwood versus North Adelaide at 6pm, and at 7.45pm, it's West Adelaide versus Central District. It's now time for our favourite segment. It is Coach Kiwi's Kiss of Death.
where we're joined on the line by a legend of the Sydney women's football scene and now current assistant coach at the Darabin Falcons in Lisa Roper. Coach Kiwi, thanks very much for joining us. And I know when you made your tip last week for GWS versus North, you more tipped North to try and jinx them to lose. Instead, not only did you get that tip right, you also got the tip right about the crazy weather. Indeed, indeed. And um, we knew when the rain was coming, so we sought shelter in our car parked at the field. And even we managed to get hit by lightning. So um, hats off to all those players that ran out in the field and played in those conditions. But um, I actually thought the quality of the match was okay, despite the conditions. So um, credit to all those players. Uh, worth just think. We're just thinking of this point coming away from the match, despite the 25-point win to the Kangaroos, it was the same amount of scoring shots, 13 apiece, 7-6 to 2-11. So had the Giants kicked straight up, albeit in you know those conditions, who knows? Yeah, most definitely. There's probably maybe three goals that really should have been uh, – sorry, three, three points that should have been goals. Um, but, yeah. It, it was a pretty fairly, um, despite the scoreline, it was a pretty good game for both teams. We go to Victoria Park on Saturday. You tipped the Demons to win and you got that right on. 3-8-26 to 1-3-9. As Lily Mithen said, very difficult conditions with that swirly breeze. Yeah, I think that actually affected their um, shooting at the goal for sure. I was down that end of the field and it just seemed like no one could kick straight into that wind at all. There's a bit of a wind tunnel that comes up through from the station end. But, um, yeah, good game. Good for the Ds. They looked um, quite sharp. So, yeah, good result for them. At VU Witten Oval, the Western Bulldogs defeated the Geelong Cats by 18 points, a 5-4-34 to 2-4-16. And as we chatted earlier with Geelong defender Anna Teague, it seemed to be just the second quarter that was the difference. That's when the three goals were put on by the Bulldogs. Had the Cats not let him get away in that second term, it could have been a different story. Um, yep, I think you're right. It was just that one quarter that um, really, you know, the, the Bulldogs really held their own. Looking, uh, no looking. Aside from that, it was a fairly, you know, even game at both ends of the field. So uh, they'll probably rue that one quarter, I think. In a game that many of us uh, thought was surprising by the high score, because we actually thought it'd be more of a low score scrap. At uh, Icon Park, the Crows uh, came from behind to beat the Blues, nine three fifty seven to seven two forty four. Yes, I thought um, Carlton. You know, and sadly another loss, but um, they had some real patches of brilliance through that game. And, um, you know, they didn't miss Taylor Harris at all, I don't see. Or I think, you know, the other tools step, stood up in the forward line and created some opportunity. And um, probably just, you know, a bit hard for them. But Crows have got quality players throughout. And um, even without Chelsea Randall, they still um, play quite solid through the midfield and just did enough to um, edge home in the end. And, of course, you tipped the Crows correctly in that one. And in the other game, you were worried about Brisbane and having to fly over to WA, and it looks like you were correct. The Dockers, 10-7-67, defeating the Lions, 6-4-40. Yeah, how good are they looking at home, Frio? Um, yeah, they've kicked a lot of goals this year in two matches, so um, they're looking very, very sharp. 
And that means four out of five for you. Geelong, you tipped to beat the Bulldogs, which was the only incorrect one. Six out of ten so far for the season. Let's look ahead to round three, Coach Kiwi. Friday night football again. This in Launceston at University of Tasmania Stadium. North Melbourne play host to the Western Bulldogs. It is the new kids on the block versus the reigning premiers. Yeah, I think um, I think Bulldogs are going to be very, very strong against North. And um, probably in dry conditions will suit both teams. But I think North will have the edge and probably, um, I reckon it'll probably be less than a goal in this one. Saturday, the 16th of February at Blacktown International Sports Park, the GWS Giants play host to Carlton. Yeah, I'd like to give Carlton the kiss of death. Um, sorry, Blues fans. Um, but I do think Giants will win. Giants will win this one. I think they, they've they showed in both games, despite the losses, that they've got some quality players and can play some really good football. And, um, you know, I think once they take it back to Blacktown, it will um, might change things up for them. And plus the pressure now that you can't lose another game if you want to stay in the hunt. That being 4.45pm Eastern Time and that being the first of the double header on 7 on Saturday. Uh, at 7.15pm Eastern Time, 5.15pm, um, pardon me, 4.15pm local time. Uh, Fremantle versus Collingwood at Fremantle Oval. Yeah, I'm going to go free at home again. They're just looking too sharp and um, despite... Um, how well Colin did, how Collingwood battled the D's. I think Frio are just kicking too many goals. And should Frio win that game, that will be Collingwood's third year in a row. They've lost the first three games. Sunday, 17th of February at Norwood Oval, 2.35pm Eastern Time, 2.05pm local time. The 2017 Premiers, the Adelaide Crows, host the Geelong Cats. Well, now they've got their kicking boots on. Um, they'll be kicking straighter down at Norwood after kicking. Was it 11 behind in round one, I think? So, yeah, I'm going to go the Crows. I think they'll be good at home. And finally, 4.35 p.m. Eastern time, 3.35 p.m. local time again on Sunday at Hickey Park. The Brisbane Lions play host to Melbourne. Yeah, if I could tip a draw, I'd probably go draw. Um, but no, I think Brisbane will step up now once they've got back from their jet lag flying to Frio and uh, they'll probably be a bit dirty on losing last week. So um, I think Lions are going to be too strong for the Ds. Thanks very much again for your tips, Coach Kiwi, and we look forward to catching up with you next week. It's just about time to wrap up the show. A friendly reminder, you can catch Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, or from Thursday mornings, listen back as a podcast via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. I'm Peter Holden. Until next week, it's bye for now.